Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today, everyone. I hope that all of you are having a wonderful, wonderful day, and I hope that that wonderful day will continue into a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, I have a really exciting show for you today. I hope you're all listening. Remember to uh, tell your friends. You can listen on, I always post a, a copy of the podcast following the broadcast on my Facebook page, which is Facebook slash Heaven Sent Bent. And you can also find a, a replay with the podcast on my blog, which is www.heavenandnot.com. So, you know, you can, you can hear this podcast another time. You can also go back and listen to previous podcasts and stories that I've shared with you on the blog. So do that. You can also give me a call. Give me a call at 503-869-6421. I would love for you to tell your story and possibly be a guest on the show. So I'm very excited. I've had some wonderful, wonderful guests, and I think that we've been able to really share a lot of people's stories and let, you know, let others know that, you know, we're not on this earth alone. We do have people that have been put on this earth to be our earthy angels and to help us get through the trials that we have in life. And I always like to start out my show, as you know, if you're a listener, I like to start out my show with my favorite quote from Albert Einstein, which is that there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. And I think that the joy of being a parent is when you first begin to realize what a miracle life really is. Um, even just going through a pregnancy and realizing that you have a baby, uh, a live person inside of you, uh, you really begin to acknowledge that life is a miracle and that everything on this earth is truly miraculous. So with that, I have as my guest today, um, Tulu Bryce. And Tulu is someone that I met about four years ago, I think. I'll, I'll check with Tulu and see. But, uh, when Tulu and her very handsome husband, uh, when I first met them, I, I noticed that they had a, a gorgeous, a daughter and a very handsome little boy. And, um, I did not realize that they had another child. And I'm going to have you tell, have Tulu tell you a little bit about their story. So I'm just going to bring Tulu on. Tulu, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. And, um, Tulu, how long have you been in, well, you've been in Vancouver for a while, but in, uh, currently where you're at, how long have you been there? Uh, at our new home, two years. Okay, so I guess I met Tulu about two years ago. Yes, yes, yeah, two years. And Tulu, um, where where did you and Adrian meet? Um, Adrian and I met at Tacoma. I used to live at Missouri, Columbia, Missouri, and then I moved down here to finish my high school uh, to live with my uncle that lived at Tacoma. So. I, uh, my uncle was a member and I wasn't a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I started going to the youth up there and um, Adrian was on his mission 
at Guatemala at the time, and that's how we met when he came back from his mission. It was at the church at Tacoma. Okay, and was there a um, Tulu? Are you and, and Adrian both Samoan, or what? Are, what is your heritage? I we are both Samoans, and Adrian has partly Tongan in him. His dad is half Tongan and half Samoan. Okay. So, yeah. So in the in the area that you were at when when Adrian came home, was there a large Samoan um, group uh, group up there, or were you like, "Hello, you're the man for me"? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There there is a Samoan ward up there, and um, yeah, he. Adrian and I didn't hit it off right away. I, I dislike him very much at the beginning. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is an even better show than I had planned. Okay, do go on. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, when I heard that he was coming back from his mission, all the youth girls were like, oh, Adrian is coming back. Adrian, we're going to marry Adrian. And when he <laughs> came back, uh, I, I, I play a lot of sports, as you know, and um, I'm very competitive. And him and I, we met at a volleyball game, and he started making fun of me. So, yeah, we didn't hit it off right away. I I, I, I should just say that I dislike him a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. But he got you. He finally decided he better shut up and, and be nice to this girl, huh? Yes, he he got me. He, he played it really smooth there because he found out that I like to play tennis, too. So he called and asked me out in a date to go play tennis so he there was a different side of him so okay yes, me. okay well that so it all everyone ended happily ever after that's very good <laughs> so yes. so you guys got married and then you um decided to start a family now do you have twins do, do twins run on your family or on on your husband's family um, there is no set of twins in our in my family at all, or even Adrian's family. There is no huh. twins at all. It was just, I guess we were just lucky. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you started oh, out, you we, found out you were pregnant, and then how far along were you before they discovered that, my gosh, you're carrying twins? Um, I, I say four months because we went in for our first ultrasound. And oh. I remember it very well when I lay on the on the table on the bed to, for them to do the ultrasound. And four to five months. And when the the lady looked at me and he, she actually was a guy, and she said, and he said, "You guys are having twins." And Adrian and I laughed because all we wanted to know was the sex of the baby. What are we having, a girl, right. a boy? And she right. just. He, he just said, "You guys are having twins," and we just laughed it off. And we're like, "Yes, you're right. You, you, let's read. Let's let's." Your camera is broken. Let's redo that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and once you say, no, really, you guys are, are having twins, and we were just shocked, and then everything else just, yeah, went down from there. So Okay, so they could tell right away that the twins were conjoined? Yes. They, as soon as, um, when, she sa- when he said, you guys are having twins, and then everything got quiet. He, he oh. wouldn't tell us anymore, and he said, we're going to have to move you to a different room. And then we knew right away something was not right. And then ah. we kept asking, but they would he wouldn't tell us anything until the doctor came in. And then that's when we move into a different room, and then that's when he said, the doctor said, I don't remember the doctor because we were just shocked of having twins. And then right. when he told us that they're conjoined, it, it was just, yeah, it, it, we were both shocked and just, you're, you're kidding, right? That was my thought right. in my head is just, there's no way. Yeah. There's yeah. no way that this could happen to me. Yeah. 
Right. So, so was, do you know, I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with all of the medical mumbo jumbo, but at what, at what point if, if an egg is separating and because these are maternal twins, so this egg is separating at 20 weeks or whenever you guys went in, that egg should have been completely separated by, do you know how far along that egg should have, should it have been pretty much into the I, cellular separation point? Yeah, you got me there. I have no clue. I, I mean, I'm sure they told us, but I, right. it was just a shocking moment for me that even, even me and my husband, because we were young, very young, I think around 22, to yeah. realize that what they just told us was just that news of having twins and then having conjoined twins, because we didn't know the extent of what, what they were, con- if what kind of limb they right. were connected, if they have, if it was at, connected at the head, or we had no clue. All they said was they were conjoined twins. Okay. And then they okay. were like, you guys really have to go back to your doctor and think about everything and then referred us to a specialist. Oh, so I had no, okay. I, had, I, I, yeah, I couldn't tell you there. So even at that early, early stage, they could tell that the babies were connected, but as far as like which organs were affected or how exactly, how extensive the connection was, I mean, there's still pretty little lima beans at that point, right? Yes, yes, very, okay. so, very. So you guys they, were... They didn't, go ahead. Go ahead. They didn't okay. want to tell us more at that point. Sure. I think, um, yeah, they, all they said was that you, your, your twins were conjoined, you guys have to go back to your doctor, and then you're going to go from there. So they didn't go into further details okay, that okay. day. Right, right. So you're sent on your merry way, and you're referred to a specialist, and then I'm sure that your medical treatments began immediately. I'm sure the doctors wanted to see you how often? Weekly, once a month? How often did you have to start going to the doctor? I, I had to go to the doctor once a week. Once a okay. Week. I had to see the specialist once a week, and I couldn't. I was put on bed rest right away. Uh, there really? Was no walking. Yes, uh, there was no walking for me to do. I I had to lay on, you know, sit down or lay down. If I have to go to walk, if I have to get up, I, the only way that I can get up was to go use the bathroom or shower. But other than that, I was strictly bed rest. Now, was, why was that? What was the need for that? I think Dr. I, uh, my specialist was Dr. Merrill was saying because you're so young at that time and we they still didn't know how you know because it was how your I think for the how doctor, your body yeah, was going to react or how things were going to yeah. go. Yes, and and from what when we saw him, he said you're going to have strictly bed rest because it's a high um, high with high risk pregnancy. Oh, and, I see. Um, yeah, it was a high risk pregnancy for me. So I, I, nice. yeah, yeah, it was all you have to do is just eat. So yeah, there I go. Oh. They, and then, and like you say, you know, here's coming from someone who volleyball runs, take plays tennis, you're very active, and now you're being told don't move for nine months. Yeah. You know, yes. for the next it five was, months at least. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it was, it was hard. But then I, in my head, I was thinking that, I have to do everything that I can at that time in order to, to, you know, for these girls to come in this world safely. So if I have to do my part, that was, right. that was my mentality at that time. I didn't care 
that's how much weight I gain. It's just I have to do my part to make sure that they arrive safely. So that's, right, right. that's where we're at. Yeah. So the, the sacrifice, you know, the, I don't think that, I don't think that the world even understands that as a mother, you know, uh, from the moment that you're pregnant, the sacrifice begins. Um, you know, you're sacrificing your, 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 you know, your desire to stay up all night. You know, you need to get sleep. You're sacrificing mm-hmm. your favorite foods because you know you need to eat healthy and, and that maternal, uh, willingness to, you know, I, I know I watch my daughter now and I remember as a mother, you know, and you hear stories of people that went through times of, of, uh, you know, lack of food. Mothers will give their food to their children and then not eat themselves. And right. it's just kind of, part of being a mother so let's take a break to Lou and um, and then we'll come back because this is such an interesting story and I really want to get into it so let's take a little break now back to Renee Steelman for more heaven sent and bent on talkzone.com Thank you, everyone. Thanks for coming back and joining me today. I have as my guest today Tulu Bryce, and she's telling us the story of when she found out with her very first pregnancy that her her little baby was actually two little babies. And not only was she having twins, but her twins were conjoined. And it was quite a shock for her and her husband and her family. And so she's just starting to tell uh, to tell our story. And if you would like to listen to the story after we're done, um, you can uh, listen to it at my, uh, you can get a copy of the podcast on my blog, which is www.heaven and andnot.com. I will be uh, posting the podcast there. I also post it on my Facebook page, which is Facebook slash Heaven Sent Bent. And give me a call, 503-869-6421. I would love to hear from you if you have a story that you would uh, like to share with everyone. So, Tulu, when we went to break, we were talking about how you had been uh, you know, shockingly told that you were having twins and then, oh, not only are you having twins, but you are, the twins are conjoined and now you're put on bed rest and told that right. you are, uh, you went from a happy, healthy, busy to a high risk pregnancy and now you're flat on your back. So, wow. Right. So, right. so how far, so they're doing weekly checkups and were they doing weekly ultrasounds? Yes, they were doing weekly ultrasounds. Very, yeah, okay. so we would go, so we live in Vancouver, but we had to drive um, because my specialist was at Legacy Emanuel at Portland, so we would drive over oh. there every week. Yeah, and the ultrasound will be lasted an hour, and oh. yeah, it was a very long, long day thinking because I my stomach was already big, so, yeah. and if I get up and try to walk, Adrian has to stand behind me and try to lift my stomach up. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, how much how much were you carrying? What did these girls weigh when they were born? They were 12 and a half pounds altogether. Okay. So, born. about six pounds each. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a... Yeah. So, yeah, you had a lot of baby. Plus, you had a lot of... Uh, did you have an excess amount of amniotic fluid? Yes, I did. More, yes, okay. I did. Isn't that yeah. funny that... That when there's a problem with the baby, uh, that an excess amount of amniotic fluid is always a sign. Isn't that odd? Yes, that is very odd. <laughs> yeah, I remember very when odd. I when I had TJ, 
uh, because my, the doctor that I was going to was a, a general practitioner. So when they discovered that he had a, um, they had to do an emergency cesarean, they brought in an OBGYN. And he, that was the first thing he asked me. He said, did you have a lot of amniotic fluid? And I said, well, yeah. I said, I looked like I was about six months along when I was about probably 12 weeks along. Um, I just had this yep. little basketball and, and so he said, oh yeah, that's always a sign that there's a problem when there's an excess amount of amniotic fluid. So very weird. weird. Yeah. So when you're, so when you're carrying these babies and they're doing these weekly ultrasounds, as the babies are maturing and their organs are starting to develop, were they then able to see where the connection was and which organs were involved? Yes. So when we finally, so I think around our six, six months, they finally, um, our, especially Dr. Merrill went inside and did another ultrasound with us because they were just checking along every single week where they're at and if what they shared and, and slowly we were finding out every week. Well, when we found out the first time we went with him that they were conjoined from their breastbone to their belly button and then they each have their two heads, two arms, two, you know, two of everything, which was great. And that just, I think calmed us down even though the situation was still hard for us, but the only thing that they shared was their liver, and they didn't know how much, how bigger the liver was. So everything was, they were going in at blind, but not fully, but they, because they, you know, the they knew that that's all that they shared. But I think oh. about seven months, that's when they found out because of the way their chest bone was growing that they, uh, Shayla um, has heart problems. So I'm saying you right away when she was in my stomach that she has her heart defect. Okay. Interesting. So they didn't share any organs except the liver, which they knew at some point they would be able to separate that. But they could see, even though Shayla had her own heart, so they weren't sharing a heart, but she did have heart issues. Yes. Right, right. Wow. Interesting. Huh. I wonder if they would have, if the cells would have totally separated if she would have had heart issues anyway, right. even if they weren't conjoined yeah. because they did have separate organs. Wow. Okay. Right. So they're watching her closely. Um, they're yes. each, uh, now I think I remember you mentioning to me at one point that, um, one of them was getting more nutrition or one of them was growing faster. Were they both maturing at pretty much the same level? No, so Elena, so they, when they were measuring it, Elena was eating up all the food. And ah. so she was getting all the nutrition, and she was doing all the work for the two of them. For, oh. For Shayla, too. So she was eating, and, you know, because well, Shayla wasn't eating that much, but Elena was getting all of it while she was in my stomach. But she was also working hard for the two of them. So really? interesting, yes, yes. Wow, that's and, interesting that their their blood supplies were connected then. Right. Right? Right. Okay. Yes. They, from what I understood was that my umbilical cord was bigger than they expected. So uh-huh. they, that was very interesting to them. So. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? You know, whenever you talk about uh, trials or adversity, people often will use the analogy of steel, how steel has to be heated up and 
and, you know, pounded. And in order to make steel strong, it has to go through a lot of processing. It has to be beat up and, and melted down and reheated and cooled down and reheated. And so it kind of follows that whole thing about, you know, how Elena was working hard for the two of them. And then because she was working so hard, she was getting stronger and stronger. And, and oh, she was, she was already there for her little sister. That's so cool. <laughs> Wow. So, okay, so you were you able to carry the girls to uh, full term then? Yes, I think I was around 37, 37 okay. 38 weeks, yes, and then everything was planned. So okay. they, that's how long how long they wanted me to carry her. I mean, right. then, and then everything was planned that this is the day you're going to have your cesarean and this is what's going to happen. So everything was planned. So they wanted me... So it was hard being bed rest because, I mean, my stomach was huge, twice the size. And, um, wow. yeah, so I was wheelchair everywhere I was, you know, going. So poor Adrian had right. to push the wheelchair. So I'm like, so, oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So they, yeah, so they said we can carry you. If we can get you through to 37 weeks, we're going to do a cesarean yes. at that point. So it was all planned yes. out and all all mapped out. Yes. So you probably had quite the team standing by. You know, uh, knowing that you're doing a cesarean and then we've got these two little girls and then whoosh, they probably took them away right away. Yes, they took them right away. Uh, so each girl, so we were in a bigger room and they all, um, I think about six, six nurses each for the girls. Wow. So wow. they took, cause my cesarean wasn't a regular cesarean. It was a incision, you know, cause usually cesareans are, you know, like, what was it like under your stomach, like right down, hip to you know, hip, your, kind of low? Yeah, yeah. Hip hip. mine was not. It was right in the middle of my stomach. Hello. So it was. Thanks. Yes, it was. Yes. So I had that cesarean because of the way they were bringing them out. They were a lot bigger. So that's uh-huh. my concern. But I remember, I remember there were about twelve people in the room, and each girl had a doctor and then their own set of nurses. So they just showed me. When they took them out of me, they showed me, there's a picture of it on my piano that they showed me and they just whisked them away. And that was the uh, last time I saw them on that day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So they, now, so yeah. you were awake. You, they didn't yeah. use general anesthesia. So you were awake. So they showed them to you. Here's your babies. Bye bye. Yes. So, and, and then, then off they went. Away. Okay. Now they went. Yep. Wow. So then they, everyone went to work. And um, thank you very much for this horrible scar, doctor. And they sewed you up, put you all back together, yeah. and then they started working on the girls. Now, did they, were they, uh, so they were probably worried about Shayla right from the very beginning because they yeah. knew she had heart issues. Yes, yeah, so they put Shayla on oxygen right away, and Elena was totally fine breathing on her own. So okay, had... and she was already having a hard time breathing right away. Yes, yes. So <sighs> Shayla was on oxygen, and then... Elena was totally okay. And you can tell, like, if you look at the pictures that Elena, because they couldn't weigh them separately because they were conjoined, that Elena was the heavier of the set and doing all the work for Shayla because the minute they separated them, that's when everything else went down for Shayla because Elena was doing all the work for them. Yeah. for the two of them. Right. Yeah. So they did, so they separated the girls immediately? They, um, so I gave birth on October 18th, and then they separated, separated them on Halloween, October 31st. 
two weeks later. Oh, okay. So just a week later, they were, wow. So for the yeah, first uh, week then, they were together in an incubator, and Elena yeah. was, or Shayla was on oxygen. Yes, yes, yes. They were in the hospital, in the NICU, and then they decided to separate them, that everything was okay for them to go ahead and separate them. So okay. on Halloween Day, that's we celebrate Halloween Day, is that's when they got separated. Oh, so, it's almost like another birthday, huh? Yes, it was. It's another birthday. It's Halloween. Yeah, that's a great day to have a Halloween. I mean, a great day to have a birthday. <laughs> best, best yes. holiday ever. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So right away, okay. So then, once they did the uh, the surgery and they were able to separate the girls, um, Elena was like, "Great, she recovered right away." And were they able yeah. to go in and then do, so they had to do the separation surgery and then were, was her heart defect something that they could correct with surgery? No. So they waited a little bit um, for her to have her first heart surgery. And I don't quite remember how long they waited. It's either because um, I think when Elena's two weeks after the separation or more, Elena came okay. home and Sheila stayed at the hospital. Still the oh, issue. yeah. And I think okay. within the month they had, he, she had her first heart surgery. So because oh. she, if things were just not going great for her. So they decided to go ahead and have her first heart surgery. So, wow. Yeah, that's one. So what did they, started. what was her heart defect? Um, was it a hole or what was her heart defect? Yes, it was a hole. And I think it's because from what my understanding, I can't. It's because I don't talk about it often because I don't <laughs> like to think about it often. That right. I really don't remember what the medical term off for her um, heart for her heart condition, but I do I right. know that because one thing that I remember from what Dr. King said is because of their way their chest bone was connected, her heart turned slightly, so that's why. <laughs> but if, oh. if you were talking to Adrian, he would be able to tell you what the condition, you know, what her heart defect is. But well, that makes sense though because of the one, yeah. Yeah, because of the place that they were conjoined, just, you know, the yes. position. It's it's amazing how, you know, everything has its place and it should stay there. So, yeah, when you're when even the slightest little thing can make a difference like that in, you know, in enabling the organs to function correctly. So, wow. Okay, so you've got now when you have this little baby that's thriving and doing very well at home, but you've got another little baby that's up at the hospital that you need to go and visit on a daily basis. Were you able, did they let you bring Elena with you or did they want you to not bring her until you had to leave oh, her yes. at home? See, the legacy was amazing. Like the nurses would totally take Elena from me and have her while I spent time with Shayla. So they were amazing. They were very helpful and just awesome in that perspective because they knew that I couldn't leave Elena. So the nurses, whoever was taking care of Shayla at that time, would come take Elena, and I just spent time with Shayla. So it it, it worked uh-huh. out really well for us. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. it's. I think most of the hospitals in the Portland area, I mean, we've dealt with uh, Legacy Emanuel and OHSU and Good Samaritan. And, boy, we have just found really, really great staff at all of those hospitals. Yeah. and. And, uh, I, I don't think I could say enough great things about, you know, how they, their bedside manner. Most of the time I would say their bedside manner has just been extraordinary. I, I don't have, I can't say that for the individual doctors themselves, but hot, the, in hospitals in general, um, yes. just, just amazing. So how long was she in the hospital then before you were able to bring her home? 
I think she was in the hospital in the NICU for, so October 31st is that they got separated. And I think right and, before Christmas, she came home. Okay. So it was a little Christmas wow. gift, yes. yes. Yeah. So she came home right before Christmas. And in a way, I mean, people are always, I mean, people would assume that being able to bring your baby home is a relief. But in a way, now you're on duty, right? Now you're yeah, in charge. Definitely. And I'm sure yep. Elena came home with a little bit of equipment. Did she come home with some oxygen and some other other things? So, you mean Shayla? I mean Shayla, yeah. Shayla, yeah, Shayla came home with a feeding tube and oxygen. So, okay. Yeah, she, she came so, home with that. So right from the very beginning, she was not able to uh, nurse or be bottle fed. She she came home with a feeding tube? Yes, she came home with a feeding tube because she wasn't getting enough nutrition at the same time. So they decided that they needed to put a feeding tube in her because she was just not gaining weight. So, uh-huh. yeah, she she came home with a feeding tube. And wow. We just, yep. Did she eat orally at all? Did she take a bottle at all? She used to take a bottle, but she wasn't. She was working so hard trying to feed herself from the uh-huh. bottle that she was because of how weak her heart was, and she was oh. not able to keep it down. So she was throwing up at the same time, like having that acid reflex. So oh. was, like the minute we feed her, then she'll throw up. So they yeah. they um, went and then did that surgery where they tied up where she can't throw up anymore, and she uh-huh. and they decided to put a feeding tube in for her to get her nutrition. So Oh, yeah. wow. That's a there for- so after she came home, did you have any help? Because I'm sure you've got one baby that needs to be fed and then another baby who's weak and needs to be fed but differently. So how did you handle having these two babies when you first brought Elena or Shayla home? So I, I didn't have any help. I was, you know, my, Adrian was working and I stayed home with the girls and I don't know how I did it. I, I That's a good question. But I, I stayed <laughs> home and I took care of them by myself because my family was at Tacoma. And his family, uh-huh. he didn't have anybody down here, so it was just us. So yeah. I mean, it was it was tiring, that's for sure. I mean, there were time, I, I think I wake up in my sweats and I go to bed with sweatpants on, and I didn't care how I looked at that time. I mean, I just I think I just let myself go because I was so focused on these two, and especially with Shayla, that yeah. I, I I yeah you you be you would be surprised at my pictures if I show you what I look. Like. <laughs> I probably would because you're so gorgeous. What um what would be like um you know you you're not only are you taking care of these two little babies but I'm sure you had doctors appointments. Now you've got to take the girls in and Shayla probably had weekly, you know, specialist appointments. So now you've got doctors appointments that you're putting these babies in car seats and taking them back to the doctor. Talk about that a little bit. Um, I think what I remember what our routine was, was um, Elena was easy. So, I mean, because she didn't need much at all besides eating. And Shayla was my main focus. So we, if we had an appointment, we would load up. I mean, I would load up the car, and sometimes Adrian would be able to join us, and sometimes he wouldn't be able to join us. So I would go, um, because we were on the TV so much when they came out, and it was almost like we had to go to a back door because of how sick she was. So the doctor, like, at the clinic will understand. So, like, you guys can just come back on the back door. So we would uh, go through the back door because of the equipment that she also had, like the oxygen. And because I don't know if you 
DJ because remember there was a little box where they because she was on continuous feeding, so it oh, wasn't like oh yes we'll feed you now okay. yes that little machine okay. so, and we I had so much stuff with me that we had to go through the back and they were very helpful with that so the nurse would just come out and take us in and you know it was for regular routines and then for Shayla. We always had to go to Portland for her visit because of the heart doctor. Dr. King was only practicing out at Legacy at that time. Oh, okay. It was a trying. Yeah, I mean, it was hard. I I don't remember how I managed it, but I did it. Right, right, right. It was was hard, but, um, yeah, it was there. I mean, the equipment, the oxygen, because they didn't have, I mean, the medical, the the stuff right now is so well, you know, advanced that if you look at yeah. Thought the stuff was advanced back then, but now you're like, wow. Yeah. I used to get yeah. A big bottle of oxygen and then the feeding tube, you know, stuff. It was, and now it's right. this little box they have. So, yeah, I mean. That's so true. Um, That's so true. They've, and they've come along with technology and even medical yeah. treatment. I remember when TJ was born, your girls were born in 2000. And like you say, you know, uh, having a set of conjoined twins born in Vancouver, Washington, you were a celebrity. So you had, there was a lot of press coverage. And so you're a little bit like a, a star. So you kind of had to like hide out, go through the back door. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, but yeah, but I mean, when TJ was, when our guy was born in 1985, the specialists that were up at OHSU who, who specialized in diaphragmatic hernias, they said, you know, five years ago, we didn't know how to close this hole and correct this, this, uh, you know, this hernia. And so right. the technology and medical treatment and everything is continuing to progress just as, as everything else in the world is continuing to progress right. and get better. And like you say, when, when I, when we had to do, um, nebulizer treatments the machine that i had to carry around compared to what my what i have now for him is just this little tiny little looks like about the size of a a radio a little tiny you know compact radio uh so yeah things like that you don't take under consideration and and uh it makes a difference It, it really makes a difference so at what point did you begin to see that not only did shayla have physical issues but there were some developmental things going on at what point were, were you did you start to become worried that developmentally she wasn't progressing i think it was after her last heart surgery when uh, um when she came home she was fine even though she had oxygen and other stuff but she was you know she was developing slowly but surely you know i can see her sitting up you know but not quite where elena is at but then i Right after the, the, the other heart surgery that she went into, that's when everything went down for her, like completely, like, because she was on her back the whole time. Recovering was hard for her and longer for her. And then I think she was about six six or seven months at that time. And I knew that's when she couldn't, when I, here you see Elena walking, I mean, crawling and having fun. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at uh, Shayla, she. Not doing any of that. All she was doing was laying on her back, and that's when um, our my my doctor was like, "Yeah, you guys gotta think about having physical therapy for her, or therapy. I mean, all these therapies." And I'm like, "What? What? What's going on?" And she's like, "Yeah, not. She's not moving along where you want her to be." And that's right. Yeah, it was her. It was one of the heart surgery. I quite don't remember because there were so many surgeries that I can't pinpoint right. or give you the exact date. 
Right. When she, when, when this all happened, but it, it, it was one of the heart surgeries where everything went down, where yeah. she came home, where we were thinking that they will fix everything, but then she right. ended up being more, you know, hold the hell back where she was as she came home, not only with oxygen, the feeding tube, and then with a trach. So oh. It, it was, yes. So they took the oxygen away, and then now she had a trach on her. So it was just like another step backwards for us. Yes. Wow. So interesting that you thought things were progressing, but then after the the next heart surgery, you actually, it got worse. And so, oh my, you must have been devastated. Here you are thinking this is going to get better. The past is behind us. The worst is behind us. We're going to start progressing now and the future is looking bright. And then bam, here we go again. Yep. Yes. Wow. Oh, she got rid of the oxygen. Great. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we got rid of the oxygen tanks, but she came home with a trach. And I'm just like, oh, another machine. You just yeah. got rid of one thing, and you we came home with another thing. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so finally, so um, Elena's wa- starting to walk, and things are progressing. And at, at, so to give me a timeline then. So now let's say the twins are two or three. Where are they at developmentally at this point? Say at like three years so old. I, yeah. So say Elena is three years old and Shayla's probably still months her mentality because she still wasn't able to do what Elena was doing. Okay. So, um, and that's when everything, we started seeing all these therapies and that's when the doctor's like, yeah, she slowed up slow development oh. delay. There's oh. nothing wrong with her mentally, but right. it's because of how long she held, that she was being held back with all the surgeries she went through and because of she was laying, because most of the time when she was at the hospital, she was asleep. They would give her oh. medicine to put her to sleep because they didn't want her heart to work too hard. Right. So, so she was asleep, and even when she's awake, she, she can't move. Right. So all she did was watch TV. Disney Disney movies, and I was oh. there. So her mentality at that point was: we knew it right away that yeah, this is Shayla is special yeah. in so many ways. So yeah. yeah, so now you're getting a diagnosis of being developmentally delayed, which in a way, you know, it does. It's not like uh, a finality. There is progress, but she's right. it's going to be delayed. So it's going to be she's going right. to be behind everyone else her age. So. Uh, the girls are now uh, 15, almost 14. 14. Almost They'll be 15 in, Oct- yep. in October. Okay. And um, and she has continued. How old was Shayla then before she learned to walk? Oh, I think a couple of years. The, wow. The funny thing that you got to know about Shayla is that she did everything in her own time. So if the doctor uh-huh. said, well, we have to work on her to get her trach out, like do practice yeah. breathing with her, close her trach, and then see if she can she breathe out her nose. Uh-huh. On Easter Day, we had to admit her for something else. She had an infection. Uh-huh. And Adrian and I were home at our little apartment with Elena, and we got a phone call from the from the hospital, and we were thinking, no, not, no, 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 no. Don't tell me yeah. anything bad news. And the nurse kind of said, no, 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 it's not bad news. She pulled out her own trach. Oh. She pulled it out. So Easter, we celebrate Halloween for their birthday. <laughs> you know, separating, you know. And yeah. we celebrate Easter because that's the day that Shayla decided to pull out her trach. 
So she's a strong little girl that's going to do things her yeah. way and on yeah. her timeline. <laughs> on her time that, and when she wasn't walking, and you, I, you might know she had all these orthotic stuff for her to put on uh-huh. before to get her legs, you know, uh, strong. And we right. ordered this specific chair. It took a while for us to get this chair. It looked like an electric chair, chair but it was all wood where we strap her in and have her use her legs to, you know, to get strong. Well, we oh, only right. used that, I think, for one day. And Shayla decided to walk on her own. So oh, like I no. said, Shayla decides to do things on her own due time. We can't push her. Right, so it, it, right. It's one of the funniest things with her. So she yeah. started walking around, yeah, on her own time, I think around two two years or two, almost three that she started walking. Interesting. So, and yeah. what about her her language? Uh, how what is her language ability? How has that developed? So right now she can't talk like we do, but there are right. words that she'll be able to communicate. So she she can spell, she can do math in her head, and she talks if she wants something like like we if. Say I want a bottle of water, and I say, "I uh-huh. Shayla, go get me a bottle of water." She can't comprehend uh-huh. that. But oh. if you tell her water, she'll, and then you point to her. She understands. So okay, that's water, but she can't tell us in full sentence. Ah. Oh. So she, it's little words for her. So okay. like, get yeah, piece and piece pieces now and then okay. from her. Okay. Yes. So what would you say now? You've got um. What would you say the most difficult part of her, her, um, her disability? What What is the thing that has made it the most difficult for your family? It's her not being able to be around people. Is the biggest thing that we we it's difficult for us because right. we can't go to we can't have a family vacation or go somewhere because if she sees. People and if if the minute you start laughing, she freaks out. She throws mm. a fit, and mm. it will just turn her off. Yes. So the biggest thing that the biggest challenge, or even going to church together, and you see that uh-huh. we only come the three of us, the four right. of us, and she lives right. home with our babysitter. Uh-huh. So that's the biggest challenge that we have with her, and the hardest thing for our family is that we can't go out together as a family to enjoy a meal at a restaurant, or even go for a walk because it's mm-hmm. been when there's loud sounds, she just can't handle it. So that's the biggest, I say that's the biggest challenge for us. Yeah, and it seems yeah. like, you know, it's probably seems like one thing, but when people actually look at their lifestyle, like you say, just to go for a walk, uh, when you've yes. got a child with sensory issues, if a loud dog, you know, goes by or a loud car or a loud truck has to go by yes. and or someone comes by on a bicycle and, you know, I've been out with the, uh, with TJ and, and I know because TJ's vision is, is, um, questionable. We're not really sure where it's at. So he uses his hearing and his, his hearing is like supersonic. So if, if we're walking along and it's fairly quiet and then someone comes up behind us and goes, Oh, hi, excuse me. He jumps like you totally snuck up on him and scared him to death, you know, because he's listening so intently. So I can imagine that even if you said, well, you know, it's fairly quiet on this trail. Let's all go for a walk. But then if somebody came up, came up, you know, you'd have a breakdown of some kind. And then not being able to, like you say, go to a nice restaurant and just sit there as a family and have something. The sensory issue is so much more than I think people really understand. 
how how yeah. severe that can be, you know, um, and how Thank frightening and how that. isolating yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because my family, like she, she, you know, she can't eat food like we eat because of right. all the sensory around her mouth. And my family does, you know, my extended family, they don't understand that. And it's like, it's so much more than what you think it is. Trust mm-hmm. me. It's a mm-hmm. whole lot more. I'm not just making these things up just to not have you guys see Shayla, but she really can't handle, like, even Adrian, if we laugh in our own home, and she's been with us all her entire life, and if we laugh, she cries. Oh, and the noise. really hard. The, now, the noise, but she can handle somebody else laughing through the TV. She thinks it's funny, but when we actually laugh, it's, it's too much for her. And when people ask that and they don't understand, I'm like, trust me, it's, I'm not making this up. It's right. my child. You right. Know, so you, right. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that it's something that I've, I have found that seems to be a common thread between these kids that have sensory issues is um, the happy birthday song. I've talked to two or three people. Um, we had it with our grandson, two of our grandchildren, and then this other friend that I have. Um, when you go to sing the happy birthday song, these little these kids that have sensory issues put their hands over their ears. They start crying. Yeah. There's something about that yeah. tune or everyone singing in syncopation, you know, that is just really uncomfortable for them. And I found it interesting yeah. when I started talking to other people, especially in the autism world. And that would be one of the things that was a common thread was the happy birthday song is not allowed. Nobody's allowed to sing it, you know. Um yeah. But yeah, that's, and so how, now I know you, you mentioned that you have a sitter that, you know, comes to the home so that you can go to church as a family. Has, has it been hard trying to find help? And I'm sure, I mean, with your, in your case, you have to find someone that, uh, that Shayla wants, not just you. Yeah. You don't, you know, not what, who you approve. She has to approve right. this person. She has to approve. So when we were looking for a sitter to come watch her and, um, um, we were so lucky enough that Adrian's um, boss is Seventh-day Adventist, so they go to church Saturday and we go to church Sunday. Ah. So when we introduced her to Shayla, and the thing is, it's funny because the babysitter comes and sits in, in our front living room, and she'll never see Shayla. Mm. All she has to make sure is that Shayla is not going to open the door or open the garage. So Shayla sits in the back living room, and they don't even see each other. So as long as ah. Shayla has the iPad, and, and Shayla's like, she will tell us who she wants. So our babysitter's name is Chelsea. So she'll say if it's a Saturday or Friday, and she'll say, Chelsea Sunday, Chelsea Sunday, I want Chelsea Sunday. So ah. say, yes, you're so right. She has to pick who she wants for her to, to watch her. So Chelsea, her name is Chelsea. So every Sunday she'll come sit in the front room and just make sure that Shayla's not going to walk out, and Shayla sits in the back room, and they totally don't talk. Shayla oh, will that's... do her own thing, and Chelsea's up in the front doing her homework. So yeah. that's yeah. how it goes. So she's there for to protect her, to make sure everything's safe, and in case yep. of any kind of an emergency. But there's no interaction because, and no and then how about yeah? All. How does she interact with your family? Does she have people she um, prefers? Oh yeah, there's um. So when Adrian's family comes down or my family comes down, Sheila's usually because, like I say, she can't handle being around too many people. Sheila's usually in our bedroom. She will never come down. So our family will go up to her and say hi, and she will totally put her hands on your ears and yeah. start crying. So, oh, And they oh. know that. It's like, just know that she is nothing against you. It's just the way she is. So they'll all go say hi. But there's one particular person that Shayla loves, and her name, 
and I we stayed at the same apartment, and I call her my sister because she's Samoan, and Sheila can't stop saying her name when Sheila gets Aww. upset. Her name is Fatima, and uh. every time Sheila gets upset, she'll call this lady's name, and my friend, you know, she'll say, Fatima, Fatima, where are you at? I want to see you, and that's Sheila, and every time she comes over, and that's the only person that Sheila will be around. And even um, uh-huh. Leanne's daughter, yeah. Jenna, uh-huh. Jenna is so amazing. And then Carlin, that takes Sheila to the Blazer, you know, game thing on every Thursday. They're so uh-huh. good with her. And uh-huh. Sheila will know who, and it's so weird because they have this, I don't know, some kind of, like they just click. Right, right. It's, there's there's a spirit that touches each other somehow. Yes. In, like a sense that they sense from spirit to spirit that they 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 connect somehow. Yeah, and she knows that she'll be safe with these these three, and it, ah. it's just amazing because my family we'll take her. They all come down all the time, or we go over there, and she never gets comfortable in that way with besides these three: Jenna, Fatima, and Carlin. Aww. And when once if Shayla keeps saying your name nonstop, that means she she she's very comfortable with that. Oh it's my gosh! Amazing to see to to see that and even feel that relationship that she has with these three people. And it's yeah, just, yeah. It's, thank it's heaven! Comforting. Thank heaven! You're able to find these three people. And isn't that? I mean, that's really the message that you know mm-hmm. when people um, are praying or they're they're asking for help and they're asking for some kind of a relief from whatever their tragedy is or their adversity is and they're looking for a miracle from God and God Mm -hmm. answers those prayers but he answers those prayers in the way of people through people he puts these people in your life and says here I I can't take away this trial, but I can give you these people and they will help you or they will serve you in some way. And, you know, we, we are the answer to other people's prayers and situations. And we, we keep thinking that there's going to be, you know, the big thunder from heaven and, or, or the, or the trial will, will go away. The trial will be relieved and there'll be a miracle and everybody will be happy. But the reality is that isn't the reality. And so what would you say to Lou? Through all of these last 14 years, what would you say, what's something that gave you strength or something that gave you whatever it was you needed to get through the next day? Was there ever um, a comment that someone made or, 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 or something that you thought, okay, this is hard, but I can do this? I think for me, it's when to get through another day is that imagining where my life would be without my kids, ah, and especially her. I right. think that gets me through the day. And then, I mean, I came from very, from another country, and we live, I mean, we were poor. Right. I mean, Christmas through Christmas, all we want, we get was a balloon, and that we made us happy. And then I look at where I'm at, and I'm just, I think it's my biggest best friend, the thing that I turn to the most is prayer, and that helps me a lot, Right, right. knowing that he's there, and the prayer is where I go to the vent, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and it's it's my comforter, you know, it comforts me to pray and to talk to a Heavenly Father, and he listens, and, right. and like you said, it might not be the answer that I want, right. but it comes from somebody else, and knowing that he's there is that 
it, it gets, that's what gets me through the day. If I'm having a bad day with her, because there are times where I feel frustrated. I'm like, I can't handle this. I right. can't do this. Why right. me? Why are you giving me this child when I'm like, you should have just took her. When yeah. She had, you know, few years back, you just take her, you know, right. but then when I, when I find myself kneeling and praying, that's when it's that what helps me is praying. And then to have my, my rock, my Adrian, as you know, who's yeah. very, he's my right hand. And right. That, but the prayer really helps me. Right. I really want to do an entire show. I'm Tulu, I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to do a, an entire show on all of us as mothers or caregivers that we look at these children that are, they're in pain. They're not comfortable either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that oh. Shayla has aches and pains and struggles and, and she doesn't want to live in this body either. And so many of us share that same prayer where we, we're praying to God and we're saying, what's the purpose of this? Why does this person have exactly. to suffer? I don't even know what, I don't even know if my, if my son is in pain or not. He can't tell me. You know, Shayla can't say to you what the sensory overload does to her. She can't tell you how much it hurts her brain or hurts whatever. Um, so you, you do, you pray. It's like, take them, take them, get them, give them the relief. This isn't for me. This is for them, you know? Yes. And yet it's something that we don't really say out loud because we don't think that sounds very politically correct to say that we, when our children have been sick, we're honestly secretly praying that this will be it. This is, this will be what will take them. But that's the reality. And it's not for us. It's for them. It's for them to get the relief that they, that from their suffering to be taken away, you know. Right. Um, right. But then something happens and some person walks into your life or an event happens and you go, okay, I get it. I see what the purpose of this of this adversity is. And and right. uh, we're just going to keep on trucking. That's just how it goes. So thank you, Tulu. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. I know you guys, you guys are the Vancouver celebrities. Have there been a set of conjoined twins born in Vancouver since your girls? I, I I don't know. I, yeah, I, I haven't I heard think any. There was one at Seattle. I think oh yeah, there was one at Seattle. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't know if there's another one. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Seattle that there was another set. So yeah. Yeah, there and when others. you guys decided to have another child, you must have gone into that with a little bit of apprehension. Oh, oh, I was totally. Well, I mean, well, I think they're like almost five years apart. I was scared. That it took me a while to yeah. go ahead and have another child because I'm like I don't know if I can do this because yeah. I don't know if I can I there's no there's no way so yeah, yeah it took me it took us a while to even consider having another child because of that yeah it's so funny yeah. that you brought that up yes totally yeah. Good. Yeah, you're very brave. Thank you so much. I appreciate your words today, and I hope that that um, that Tulu, by sharing her story, that she's helped, you know, uh, some of you find peace this day. And and we just, I, I appreciate it so much. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later, Tulu. Okay. Thank you. All righty. Bye bye. So thanks for joining me today, everyone. I want to leave you with my uh, my other second favorite quote, which is from Mark Twain. I love Mark Twain's sense of humor, and doggone it, humor is what gets us through the adversity that we have. We all need to be able to laugh at situations. We need to be able to laugh at silly things that people say or silly comments that people make, and, and that's really what gets us through. So Mark Twain said, go to heaven for the climate. 
hell for the company. And I hope that you'll find some peace and that you'll find some company this day in whatever, whatever hell you have that you feel like you're going through on this earth and that you'll know that there is a little bit of heaven on this earth and that you'll find it and it'll get you through this week. So thanks for joining me today and we'll talk next week. Bye-bye. 